Stand-up tragedy, a variety show that I run where people stand up and do tragedy, is returning. Our first 2013 show will be on the 18th of January and it's going to be at the Hackney Attic, which is where today's episode of Getting Better Acquainted is set. That's not the only Hackney Attic night that I'm involved with. As you'll hear in today's episode, I also run the Spark London Open Mic that happens on the second Monday of every month. And our next one is going to be on the 14th. So you can come to that on the Monday or you can come to Stand Up Tragedy on the Friday or you can come to both. I suggest both. Why not? So find out more about Stand Up Tragedy at www.standuptragedy.co.uk to see our fantastic lineup of music, comedy, spoken word, fiction and more. And check out www.sparklondon.com for more stuff about Spark London and come along to one of our live nights. And if you can't make it along, have a listen to our podcast. It's on iTunes and Mixcloud and Stitcher Smart Radio. So we're here in the Hackney Attic, which is where I normally meet you. That's true. It's, it's a sort of a strange moment in the day when there's going to be a show in an hour and a half, but it's completely kind of quiet up here. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of interesting coming up and th- sort of thinking, in an hour and a half, there's going to be loads of people in this room, but now it's kind of quiet. It's kind of, I guess this is your, your, your living, your working experience. My living and working experience. I spend quite a lot of time in here. <laughs> this, is, this is a room that I'm very familiar with. Yeah, I'm growing familiar with it. It's going to be two shows in January. We're recording this in December. It's always nice to have you. It's great. Well, it's great to be. It's just one of my favourite venues I've ever I've ever done stuff at. So I'm That's really brilliant. pleased to be here. Yeah, we're getting nice feedback about it. A lot of people enjoying it. We had a drag show last night that was quite popular, and uh, that was a nice little change. And we have a film quiz and all kinds of business. No, there's some really cool stuff here. I think I'm going to come here later this week on Thursday to the last BBC. Question time. Tweet along. Tweet along. Yeah, tweet yeah. along. Yeah, love the tweet along. Projecting the tweets on the walls and the comedians. And yeah, I've literally never seen it, but I, I follow unfortunate, unfortunate Nat, unfortunately. There you go. There you go. Unfortunately, on Twitter, and so I, I always want to see it because I like her on Twitter, and uh, now I'm going to see her in person, I guess, on Thursday. Yeah. I sort of spent a lot of time just trying to trying to understand how to be empathetic with people and I was thinking if I was a superhero that would be my superpower is the power of empathy super empathy <laughs> hello I'm Dave I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together I need to get better please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you so I should say, today we're getting better acquainted with Alistair. Hello, Alistair. Hello, how are you doing, Dave? I'm good, I'm Excellent. good. I, I don't know how this is going to be, because as, as I said already, I mean, I'm doing a show later today, and I've done conversations with people like an hour before they've done a show, yeah. and that's been okay, because <laughs> I, I haven't been doing a show, so I've just been sort of sat back watching them sort of try to distract themselves from the fact that they're going to do a show, but today it's going to be me that's going to have to distract myself. Do you myself, have to do so a lot of prep? Have you, have you got a story lined up to tell? I have, got a story, I have got a story lined up to tell. I will have to look over the notes. The one thing I keep forgetting is it's a story about a family event, but my girlfriend was involved in it. And I keep forgetting the line that she said, like, it all hinges around a, 
a moment where she said a very uncharacteristic thing to my mother. And I keep forgetting the wording of it, so I'm going to have to check it again, because she's going to be in the audience, my girlfriend. Okay. And if I misquote her yeah. on stage, if they're <laughs> in the room... I mean, that's I've misquoted her loads of times on this show, because she's not in the room. It's, 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 I just get told off later, but I don't want to be... Uh, don't be heckled. Yeah, well, she, don't, she won't heckle me. That's, that's the worst thing about oh, it. Oh, no. That's the worst. If she would correct up. me, then I, that'd be all right. No, I mean, she's very nice. I'm you not, could I'm, consult her. I'm making out like she's a, stage, like an evil kind of... Ask. I could, I could... But would that get? Would that be even worse? <laughs> yeah, it would kind of draw attention to her oh, okay. in a way that she she tries not to. She's... The first time that I brought my girlfriend to Cardiff at at a kind of celebration type moment was New Year in two thousand and one. I think it will have been. Will it have been that? Yeah, in two thousand and one. She's confirming it for me. My friends had a plan. The plan was we were going to walk from Cardiff to a place called Castel Koch, which means the Red Castle. It's outside of Cardiff. And so we were, that's what we we're going to do. We were going to walk there and then New Year was going to be spent in front of this castle in the middle of the woods. So there was me, my two school friends, Jen, my girlfriend, and a girl who was going out with one of them, but there was a complicated three-people thing going on. There was lots of kind of emotions going on in the group. So me and Jen turned up and we were, we were you know, I was introducing Jen to my friends and we packed our bags before we went there with pre-mixed gin and tonic and pre-mixed vodka and orange. It was very strong gin and tonic, very strong vodka and orange. And so we sort of started off on this journey and we got incredibly drunk incredibly quickly. And sort of halfway along this path, there was some kind of drama between the girl and the collective men. I, th- I was one of the people involved in that drama, but I have no idea why why there was drama going on, but there was shouting. And it was raining, you know, it was raining. It was really horrible <laughs> weather. And we got to Castlecock in the darkness and it was kind of just about to be New Year. And the girl ran off into the woods in a kind of crisis mode. And my two male friends ran off after her very heroically. And me and Jen were sort of left there in the dark in front of Castelcock to celebrate the new year. And my mobile phone rings. And I pick it up. And my mum just starts shouting at me. And it takes a long time to work out what the fuck she is talking about. But then it becomes clear to me that my little sister has taken an overdose and tried to kill herself. And this is happening in Cardiff. We are in the countryside around Cardiff. And it's New Year, so all the taxi lines are going to be engaged. We know this before we've even tried, but this does prove to be the case later on in the night. And so I don't know what to do. And I'm just standing there in the dark, in the rain. There's people who I already thought were being stupid, being now very stupid in my mind, in the woods around me with their drama, which I'm sure, I just want to say, I'm I'm sure their drama was very... uh, important and and valid but I don't 
at that moment, I did not consider it to be important and valid. My drama was the important drama, uh, and I couldn't really do anything in my drama. I was uh, stuck. And I just ended up kind of, I think I, because I can shout, I can shout, but I couldn't shout back at my mum because I didn't know what to do because she was just saying, you need to be here, you need to be here. And I was like, I can't be there. I'm not there. There's nothing I can do from where I am. Uh, and she wouldn't wouldn't have anything. She wouldn't listen to me. So I ended up, I kind of, I think I sank to my knees, which sounds dramatic, but I, it was almost a faint, I think. And I just couldn't really deal with the, the conversation. So Jen grabbed the phone off me and she said, just fucking listen. And I'd never heard Jen shout before. She's, she doesn't shout very much. She does swear, but not very much. And she just like sworn at my mum at the top of her voice. Kind of, you know, she'd only really sort of met my mum a few times in her life before. I mean, it's, it's, it has set her up for the rest of her, her relationship with me. And we've been going out now, coming up for 12 years. My mum's always a little bit scared of Jen in a way that, that nobody else is. Uh, and it's kind of impressive. Like she can just like, my mum will just automatically back down whenever Jen says anything. And this is out of character for Jen. She is not someone who tells people what to do. But, uh, and she, she doesn't tell my mum what to do. But my mum sort of has this memory, I think, somewhere. Because my mum doesn't remember things, actually. So she must have a kind of sense memory of it. She kind of blocks out. She kind of instantly represses anything that happens. I just remember at that moment just thinking, wow, this is the right person to be going out with. And then... <laughs> I don't know how the... Com we we clo I guess, did you hang up or did I hang up? I don't know. But one of us hung up. And... We gathered together these people having their drama. I think I gave them a kind of shouting lecture about how they needed to pull themselves together and how we had to go back to Cardiff, regardless of what they wanted to do. And so, the, and then it really started raining. It really started pouring down with rain. And there's this idea in, in literary fiction of the pathetic fallacy. And this is the moment in my life that feels the most like the pathetic fallacy. So the pathetic fallacy is when the weather mirrors your emotions. And I was just angry and depressed and stressed and I didn't know what the hell was happening. And the rain was just pouring down from the sky and the river taff that we were walking along was flooding, right? So we, and we, none of us had boots on, we didn't have wellies on, we had nothing. So we sort of were walking and, and as we went past the countryside pubs, there were loads and loads of taxis that wouldn't let us in. No one would take us because it was New Year and everyone had done this in advance. And so I was just walking and walking with the river rising and rising and rising, just wading through the river. And I was just thinking, if I get home, what am I gonna find at home? What's gonna happen? And it was a kind of pointless action, walking home in the rain. Because when I got there, there was nothing I could do, as I had correctly worked out. But I think that I'm glad that I had that thing to do, that when I was told about this attempt, because my sister is fine, I got to physicalise the angst that that phone call gave me through this journey back through the water and the rain and the stress back home and so I'm really grateful in a way for the rain and for that new year
because I think if I'd have been in my house, I still wouldn't have been able to do anything, but I would have felt like I should have done. Thanks very much. She's very much an introvert, my girlfriend. Okay. Which uh, is a test, a, a daily test for her going out with me because I'm not very introverted in, in lots of ways. Okay. Although I'm like anyone. Yeah, I've got my spectrum, areas. Everyone's, yeah. everyone's got some areas where they want to I mean, keep it private and themselves. So I was thinking about that. There, is there anything you asked? Is there anything that I didn't want to talk about? And I don't know what, what that would be like. Like the deep dark recesses of my brain. I'm sure yeah. we won't go there. God. Let's not go there. Yeah, now, I'm, now I'm zapping to my own ones. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. There's there's some areas that you don't even talk about on podcasts. I find. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? I know you. I assume it's mostly through Haley, and so I met Haley through doing stuff with Autumn Shift, which you've had quite a few Autumn Shifters on this podcast, I'm pleased yeah, to say. Yeah, there's been a yeah. few of them on here, yeah. And a few people who've performed for I, Autumn Shift. I myself Shift. Have, have performed at you Autumn have. Shift once. You yeah. have. So I, I knew her through that. I'm not entirely sure how Hayley became involved in Autumn Shift originally. I think it might have been through Simon, who sort of founded the, the group, or just, I don't know, maybe through Ed. Yeah, Maybe. I think a lot. I mean, she knows a lot of the people from Autumn Shift. It's hard to know. Yeah, I don't know how she connects. came about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I've probably first met you at that gig where you performed with her. Maybe. No, it was in a. It was like a private party. Oh, that the, the first festival event that we did. Yeah, that's what. Yes, that's what it was where where we first put up our tent for the first time. That's right. Yes, I remember that. And I did I think... a I did a song. Like a few, I did a gig there, a solo gig in that tent, yeah. which went really well. And then I went and did a gig with my band at the time in the other tent, which yeah. went terribly. So I had like a really weird... <laughs> it's because like, our tent's got a really good vibe. Yeah, no, that's it, that's <laughs> it, that's it. I think I missed both of your gigs. I think I maybe caught a little, a little bit of one of them that day because everyone was sort of pitching in and helping out doing all of the admin for the festival. So I think I was sitting on a lane taking people's £10 as they yeah. went past. Yeah, that's right. I think, yeah, probably uh, we passed you in a car and gave you some money and yeah. moved, moved on. <laughs> that was a really nice day. It was great. Yeah, yeah no, and so I think, I've, yeah, it's weird. I think I've seen you around at various different places, like at parties and autumn shift events. I do go to parties. Yeah, here and there over the over the years. Yeah. And then then I came to be doing a gig here in the in the attic with spark and you're the person who's in charge of the attic i guess yeah well it's me and uh, laura that's right in the attic and but i'm i sort of live here she's brixton based she's a, she does all of the picture houses doesn't well, she does a few of them, she does like the ritzy the upstairs at the ritzy that's right and here which is sort of based on that model it's a bigger space and sort of less well known a lot of people don't know that we're up here above the cinema so we're trying to get get the word out but it's uh, it's a nice space and yeah so she programs there and here and I sort of help out with the programming and marketing and the running of things I just live around the corner in Clapton I was, I was working at the BFI doing marketing and I wanted to take the summer off to do autumn shift stuff and do festivals and things uh, this was last summer so I was thought oh, I'll just quit my job at the BFI and when the picture house opens in October I'll just get a job there and I, was, I didn't even I hadn't applied so I was just like yeah that'd be fine that'd be easy it's just around the corner <laughs> cinema so I applied to work front of house and then I applied to a be a manager and I didn't think mostly they imported people from other cinemas Greenwich right. and things then there was an intern job came up for doing the the event stuff interviewed for that did that for a couple of months and then 
they brought me on full time. Which is cool. And Which is it, cool. it kind of it utilizes a lot of your interests and skills, doesn't it, really? Because yeah. you're, you're really into film, but you're also doing Autumn Shift, which is basically an event. Yeah, um, music and spoken word and all kinds of varieties. And there, were, there, there is a film element to that as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some of the best bits are when the film and the music come together. So we did this uh, thing called The Adventures of Prince Ahmed. Yeah, I keep meaning to get, oh, catch you've got that to, one You've as got well. to catch that one, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to work up a, a tour for it, a regional tour. Apparently there's cool. there's some there's some arts funding available for that kind of thing and it'd be really good to take it a little bit further afield. Because that's a film. What is it? One of the earliest film animations. It, it's the earliest surviving animated feature film, and it's all beautiful hand cut silhouettes done by a woman called Lottie Reiniger from, uh, from Germany in 1926. Uh, it took like three years to make, and yeah, it's just a it's just a beautiful film. It's really magical. It takes a lot of influence from the Arabian Nights. Uh, Thousand One Nights bit, so they've got a bit about Aladdin and all this kind of stuff, and it's sort of a bit of a hodgepodge, but it's really, really beautiful silhouette hand cuts and lovingly animated. And every time I see it, I see something completely new in it. And Kareem, I, I, do you know, you know Kareem, friend of Haley as well. I, I think I'm. I, yeah, he's, he's an autumn shifter. Rings about. He sort of found this guy Andrew Gorman who wanted to write a score for it so we, we put that together and the first day we did it we did it on the beach on the South Bank oh, under, right. under Royal Festival Pier yeah, yeah, yeah. and we were like oh we don't need we don't need to secure the rights or, or, or do anything with the police or anything because it's, it's on the beach so there's no law on the beach which I believe there's something like that there's, there's, it's not within any particular jurisdiction or something okay so anyway I like the idea of that <laughs> yeah it's great they have a lot of raves and parties down there as well I think like okay. low tide parties so we got there and the tide was in and we'd advertised it to all, to all our friends and stuff and we were like oh dear we went out quite quickly and literally just before we had to start the tide went out far enough that we could attach the screen to the legs of the pit <laughs> and, then we, <laughs> and then we got this big battery and converter and things and plugged it in to the laptop and the projector and crossed our fingers and it was I think it was probably in like October or November we did it first it was quite cold and a bit windy but unfortunately it didn't rain and yeah Andrew and, and his orchestra all came down and were playing you know violin and, and accordion and things like that on the beach and it was it was incredible so we decided to, to do a bit more of that and so we've done that at Secret Garden Party and we've done it here and a couple of other venues around London the One Taste Festival and the Bedford Pub was the last one we did but yeah it's great and yeah, it's just, I just want to sort of do a bit more of that kind of thing. We done we do a few events in the attic here called Filmphonics, which is the name I came up with. I'm oh, proud right, of that. that's you as well. Isn't yeah. It? Okay, I saw about that just today. I think I was looking at the, the, is it sing yeah. Oh yeah, the next sing, one's sing, sing, sing along, along the Wicker Man. Sing along, <laughs> sing along the Wicker Man sounds absolutely ace. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. People in animal masks and I think there's a little hymn book that you get with it and see, something about bottom slapping. <laughs> see, this <laughs> is a problem now. Now I do gigs like now I do this monthly storytelling night at the attic. I find out about all of these cool things and I just, I'm just i not going to be able to go to all of them but I, I want to go to lots of them there's another thing that goes on here Once Upon a Console Once Upon go. a Console yeah that's uh, the retro oh. video games night and I can't I believe you've done like Mario Kart and Goldeneye and I've not been able to make either of them and then, and then the ones that come up that I occasionally can go to they're never like games that I know that well so I'm always like I don't want to go and get humiliated. On a, like a <laughs> That's just the tournament games. We usually have Mario Kart out at every single one. Oh, cool. And Street Fighter. We have them out, but the tournament games are... We thought we'd go with the big hitters to start with to try sure. and get people aware of what was happening. Well, now I know that they're going to be out every time I might come along. I, it's, 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 uh, I always find that I end up going to a lot of uh, gigs on my own mm-hmm. and being like the weird lurker at the back. 
you know so I'm try- <laughs> I, I have got friends you know but I always but look you, like you, I haven't so I mean it's a weird one yeah well I've got the opposite problem to you in terms of gigs here like obviously I'm at most of the gigs here and, sure. and, and, and often I've got admin to do so I either have to sneak off to the back or, or, I'm, or I can sometimes do it in the room or if I can figure out something to do you know, when the gig's on here and that's that's great but I never get away to anywhere else and sure, I get, I get yeah. so many invites as well especially now doing a lot of events promotion to a stuff and I'm like oh I need to I need to get out more <laughs> and no, also it, I don't have a Friday night up, often as well which is weird you know the, the two days I don't get a two day weekend regularly which is a bit weird oh yeah that's right because you you basically work here evenings is it? yeah and, evenings and, and, and weekends, weekends a lot <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so I need to sort of figure out my, my schedule it's a little bit antisocial but I still try and be social because I do a couple of nights now and the more nights you do the more nights you get invited to and the more you feel obliged to go to and then yeah. like you get into this weird thing where you're like I have <laughs> Just on a thousand a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm all for people going to nights, but I can't go to any more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like to, uh, you know, I like to try and support people's nights where I can, you know, on, sure, yeah. on the Twitter and the Facebook. As far as that's any any use to anyone. Yeah, that's uh, what I try and do. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't feel as as, as much as of a support when you just go retweet. Yeah, it's the same as like campaigning for something. If you're if you're just signing a petition online, you think. I could be doing more. I could like be throwing eggs at people or something. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't think that's just not a good way to to campaign for a thing. But yeah, you, know, you could be a bit more hands on. Is what I mean. Yeah. No. Well, fair enough. Some people know. deserve eggs thrown at them. That, uh, that's probably true. No doubt. Custard pie egg. <laughs> <laughs> so the second question I ask people. Oh no! Before I ask that, I should say. Like, so what is autumn shift? Because we've mentioned autumn shift, but we haven't really given them a, a breakdown uh, of what yeah. it is. So we should say that. Okay. So autumn shift is a collective of people who are interested in creating a better nights out or better events i mean there are a lot of great ones out there but it's the sort of thing where you feel there's a comfortable creative space the usual things about you know having good good music good spoken word good film all that kind of thing but then also sort of creating a vibe in a community of people who are uh, chilled out and peter to, to sort of take part in that kind of thing yeah, you have like live art and stuff live going art on. And, and yeah, and we sort of do. We we've got a group of people, and everyone wants to do different creative things. And essentially, it's trying to make sure that everyone can do different creative things. So we've got people who will do art. Haley's done art for us, and we've put together an anthology of poetry and and drawings and stuff. And obviously, there's the film stuff, and sort of built our own tent that we take to festivals as well, which is great. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's quite quite a lot of work taking it around, but it's it's great fun. And then you've got like a but you're the one who drives the bus. I've got I've got my VW camper van, which is the same color as the orange tent, which is great. But there's also we have to because the tent is is made of essentially scaffolding and and a, and a skin that we got sent down, made up especially from somewhere in Scotland. We have to get a, a rental van each time. So I think what we're going to try and do this year is is do enough festivals that we can afford to get our own van. Ah, uh, cool. So we don't keep uh, giving money to Sixth. So it's a big operation, but also it's sort of still very friendly and you know volunteer based and and people just coming up with ideas and and making them happen. It's, it's amazing to see it. It was, I guess, coming out of university. Simon, who started it, didn't go to university, but a lot of the people who did sort of came back to London and were like, how are we going to carry on doing creative things and how are we going to use what we've learned in terms of creative stuff that we did at uni? It's a hard one yeah. when, you've done, when you've studied creative stuff at uni. Like, it took me years to get to a point where I... I'm now doing the sort of stuff I used to do at uni again, like, but yeah. but I guess I'm with slightly slightly bigger leagues, slightly more to lose. Yeah, bigger stakes. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's weird because yeah, with Autumn Shift, a lot of us were sort of pushing ourselves in areas that we hadn't done before. So like building building a tent out of scaffolding and and taking it to festivals was was 
crazy and the fact that there's a, a group of people supporting each other doing it is is incredible um, and it's a lot a lot more fun when it's with friends I mean sometimes it's a bit stressful when you know one person wants to do one thing one person wants to do another thing but generally it's it's really rewarding and, and fun to do it with friends the other group that I did which is sort of transposed directly from universities um, a group called T-Fueled who do right. sort of filmmaking and theatre and music and storytelling and all kinds of things which are it's that's sort of more in terms of the performance and the creating content whereas Autumn Shift's more about curating content and creating a space for it yeah you you book acts that yeah. you had nothing to do with Autumn Shift to come yeah. along to do Autumn Shift stuff whereas T-Fueled is very much generally about making work within T-Fueled yeah because I've had a couple of people from T-Fueled it's, it's all <laughs> looking very incestuous now because I had Lucy Ayrton and I had uh, yeah. Superbard yeah, yeah, Super yeah, and I've, I actually I did a Tea fueled night here, didn't I? A, yes. A few, a few, yeah, the few weeks ago. Yeah, God, yeah. Uh, that was a crazy week. I was like doing a gig every night or something uh, that weekend, and my voice was completely going. It was, it was on the edge. Yeah, yeah it was so it's raspy. <laughs> I, uh, I edited my Christmas special just the other day, and it's really raspy voice because I recorded it. You know, it's got quite a raspy raspy. voice generally. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. They may, yeah, I think that might be happening. You don't mind me saying. No, that's all right. <laughs> that's okay. I, yeah, I guess it's a bit raspy, but not as raspy as it's been recently. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's probably too much. You're not a smoker, are you? Yeah, that'd be it. You are a smoker. That's bad for you. Yeah, well, it makes, makes, makes your rock and roll voice sound a bit that's better true. if you're a singer. <laughs> but you're right, you're right. It's a bad thing, and I don't advocate smoking. Good. <laughs> I just enjoy it. Um, T-Fueled, you started in, in Warwick, that's right. Well, it sort of, yeah, that... it sort of came together. I don't think it actually got the name there, but it was essentially just uh, a group of people who were creating new writing and, and doing films and things from new writing, getting together. And when they got back, you know, everyone sort of shuffled down to London, or most of the people did, deciding that they wanted to carry on making new work. And it was mostly from George's sort of impetus because he sort of ties things together in terms of he was doing sort of the production kind of stuff and, and funding quite a lot of it through his actuarial work. Um, I mean, everything was is done on a ridiculously low budget. Sure, But yeah. um, we're just lucky to, to be able to blag equipment and things and everyone who's involved is really sort of on their game. Yeah, everyone seems really nice from T-Field. I've really enjoyed the work that, that you guys have made, it, that I've seen as well. I really enjoyed both the shows I saw this year. Mm. I was really impressed with them. Uh, and what I like about T-Field and what I like about Autumn Shift, I guess, as well, is that you guys are trying stuff out. It will be good in the end. Mm. And like, But you're not afraid to try stuff out when it's very raw and, and not, quite, not quite there yet. And, yeah. then, and learn as you, as you go ahead, which I'm- is... The way to be, I think. Yeah, I mostly with them. I mostly do filmmaking stuff. Sure. So I um, guess you do. You you only show it when it's good because uh, yeah, it's a film. Well, that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> I did one. I did one for George for George's Superbard character called Hitler Two, or, or actually it's not called Hitler Two, but it's about Hitler Two, about Hitler coming back in the future in a sort of robotic cyber future and taking on Superbard, who has been sent back from the future to save the world. Actually, it's, it's called the story of the best movie ever told, or something. Right. Um, and it's absolutely ridiculous. And he said, I, "I want, I want a little promo video for it." And it's a, it's about seven minutes long. This song, and so I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do an animation for you, <laughs> like a stop motion animation using like wrestling figures and uh, action figures from Battlestar Galactica and hand drawn pencil cutouts and printouts and uh, little trolls with oh, right. hairs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it looks incredibly ropey, and it is incredibly ropey. But it's really hard to make a seven minute long animation in like two weeks or something that he, he gave me to do it." Um, and and it really splits opinion. <laughs> I mean, the, the song itself is 
mildly controversial, I guess. But the animation is just, it's, it's really poor. Like, you, you can, sometimes you can see my hand coming in and moving things. And, like, it's all, like, everything's obviously been cut out. And it looks nicely handmade, I guess not. And sort of, no, poorly. It looks poorly handmade. <laughs> it looks as if a, a child with some kind of mental fault has made it. Which is to some degree exactly how I have it, <laughs> but it really splits opinion. Like one of the people who works for Tfield says, it's the the, the favourite thing that that of Tfield that he's ever seen. So it splits opinion, but what's your opinion? Uh, it splits my opinion as well. <laughs> uh, I loved showing. We have in the Autumn Shift tent. We have a, a screen that we can put up and do cinema, like short films and poetry films and all kinds of you know bits and bobs. And we can do the Prince Ahmed thing in the tent live, which is great. I showed it there one time, and then the the file for some reason stopped halfway through, and all the people who were watching it started like cheering Hitler too, which is the refrain uh, in the. Chorus <laughs> Hitler too, and but then there were people in Autumn Shift who were like, "No, don't show Hitler too, Alistair. Don't show Hitler too. It's bad." <laughs> so there's it does split opinion, and I, I, I find it funny. It's it's, it's Superbard writes very very well and and is very good at, at music. So that sort of carries it despite the, the <laughs> terrible vigils. It's kind of contrast. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's an interesting <laughs> thing to say. So I'm just going to look up on. I've, so today I did like some research on the way here oh, research yeah like you've been stalking me I've been yeah, researching yeah, I've been cyber. listening to the pod- podcasts love yeah. the podcasts no that's right it's, well, it's nice, nice of you to say that but, I mostly yeah, no, listen I, to the ones that feature my friends that's how a that's lot of people that's how a lot of people get into it yeah and then I'll like, just go for a random one as a treat well that's good that's how I like that's, that's, that would be my <laughs> ideal way of people getting into the show although I know some people who like deliberately don't listen to their friends they much prefer to, mm. to know things about people they don't know which is I suppose that is the point of the podcast thing. sure I like to listen to it if I'm having to do any sort of data entry copy and pasting in my, in my office and often I'm in my office on my own so it's nice to have friendly voices I listen to that or This American Life I really like well that's yeah that's good company to be in yeah. I'm, I'm glad about that and then for music wise uh, I would either listen to Don Letts on on iPlayer or my friend DJ Anne Frankenstein on Urban Jazz Radio doing wow. sort of a soul mix. Well, that's good. So I've got I've got four got shows. I've got, got four shows. Down. That's all I need. That's good. So yeah, no, so I did I did some internet stalking of you. Oh, amazing! Because um, well, I just went on your Facebook and then like. Why have you got hugging written there? Oh, that's nothing to do with the internet. That's something I'm going to talk to you about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Well, I'll talk to you about that now, actually. You know, you're reading... Like, this is weird. You're, like, literally reading my notes. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. Well, Thanks. You might as well. I don't know if I said anything. These are all good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the common room can... Oh, the common room cancer dispenser. Yeah, 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 my spot London story. Yeah, little, little teasers there. Nice. So... <laughs> <laughs> Guy bus, yeah. Yeah, hugging, then. Like, that was something that I put down because... I mean, I don't know, the way my mind works these days since started doing this show is I'm always, I think, maybe I always had this way of looking at the world anyway because I'm a writer and so I'm always looking out for material. Mm -hmm. But now, like, everybody I meet are like, I'm sort of studying them and thinking, what questions would I ask them if they came on the show? And I guess one of the things that the show is 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 a series of my biases, like whatever I think about the person is what I'm (laughs) talking about. So there might be really interesting things that I've not noticed. But one thing I noticed about you, or I noticed at Teafield, is that you came in and you just, like, hugged everybody. <laughs> and in, in a really, like, genuine, giving, pure way, I was kind of, like, taken aback 
at at the time. Like I guess it's a lot of the people are your friends, and yeah. probably, you know. But you, but you gave me a hug, and I was like, oh, that's nice. But I, I find hugging very difficult. I'm complicated about hugging. Okay. Um, Sorry, of, I didn't mean to... No, 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 no. I like... I, I want to be a better hugger. Okay. Help me be a better hugger. Okay. That's, that's, that's the only reason I've got you on the podcast. <laughs> Six-step <laughs> program. No, no. It just seemed interesting to me that you, you were... Cause this is one of the things I think it's a good quality that you've got. You're very open and happy and, 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 and that's to, to the outside, maybe, in, in, your, in your soul. You're miserable and... Oh, those like, dark places like, we're I talking about. <laughs> it's rare to find someone who, in a situation which might might be described as a networking situation or useful for someone in networking terms it's rare to find someone who's really genuine like mm-hmm. in the way that you engage with people so that's what I was going to bring up maybe. I, I think it's something to do with the fact that people perceive me as a hippie because <laughs> I've got long hair a lot of the time uh, and a nose piercing a nose piercing a beard I'll describe myself fully for the podcast listeners <laughs> that's it really I'm quite I'm very tall. tall I'm tall I've got a really bad back at the minute I don't know what's happened well tall people get that because you're always bending down yeah it, it, yeah. my girlfriend thinks that it's because I was I was doing some kung fu in a, in the friend's short film <laughs> I was falling on the floor quite a lot I don't know any kung fu um, but that's a weird one yeah with the with, with the hugging I don't know I just find I just get miserable if I don't have some kind of human contact with my friends it i don't i like i like to be close to them but i find things i find like kissing on the cheek really awkward oh yeah i find that the <laughs> most awkward thing like if i meet someone and they, and they look like they're the kind of person that kisses on the cheek a european i find it i, find, I, I get tense and worried I'd much rather even shake a hand. Yeah, do you kiss both? Che- do you kiss yeah. both cheeks? Do you kiss one cheek? Yeah. yeah. And then it's the bit where you, if you are kissing both cheeks, you kiss on one cheek. How far do you go back before you go in for the next one? Like, do you go all the way back to the start, or do you yeah. go a little way and then risk like hitting noses? And now, what if you catch their ear? Is that look like you like what, that looks like you're kind of making a weird move on them? Like, <laughs> yeah, I find that really, I really find that really strange. But um, no, I like hugging. I think with if it was tea field and I gave hugs. Then they're people you know. They're people I know, and I probably haven't. Uh, I, I because I'm working at social hours, uh, and everyone's got stuff on that you sort of regularly see people, and so it feels like you've you know it's more than just like a high five or something. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, although the other day, some friends came to the cinema, and, and just before they went into the film, um, we had a weird group hug. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't weird, but it was just it was a group hug of, of four people. It's quite hard to do a group hug of four people. Yeah. Um, but it was nice. No, it's, it's good. I mean, it seems like uh, it's nice to see someone who's very open and kind of comfortable with that. Like you, that's well, that's what you feel like. A lot of my male friends, there's a, there's always an element. Certainly, there is with me of like an awkwardness about mm. physical contact between yeah. each other, or even like even just physical contact in general is not something that everybody's comfortable with. And so it's really it's nice to see I, someone who's really open about it. Yeah. I think I would rather be described as a metrosexual than a hippie. Just because it seems cooler, uh, as in, like I don't, I don't feel like um, I like it when people challenge the gender stereotypes and the gender boundaries and all that kind of things. Like I, you know, I hate football and all that kind of yeah, thing. Me that too. is I hate essentially, that you know, it's packaged off. And I love, I love on Twitter where you've got these things now, everyday sexism and all this kind of stuff, where it's yeah, yeah. highlighting how how people are. Are, you know, are not treating each other fairly. Have you heard of Mom? M A A M. Yes, yes I saw your post right. on that. Yeah, yes. men against 
uh, arseholes and misogyny. Yeah, I think that's good. Or assholes, but yeah. I, I, I don't get <laughs> no, that. Assholes. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that kind of thing. So I think that being sort of physical and close to people is probably part of that kind of rebelling against what it what it should be to be a man in society. No, I like that. And there was there actually there was there was like a I don't know about six months where me and some of my male friends kissed each other on the lips like to say hello and goodbye like like it was a weird little thing and I don't really know why any of us did it but I, I, I don't know that it's was an quite an interesting thing to do interesting period of time like for, like for to do it as well like yeah. not, to, not to just sort of fade in and I fade out I just got it. bored of it and I don't know if we, we never even I don't even think we ever acknowledged that it was happening or like I think it's like one of us did it and then with that group of male friends we're quite in a weird way we're quite competitive even though yeah. we're not very male like yeah. as a group there was a kind of like well now someone's thrown down the gut look we've all got yeah. to do that it was like a challenge to like, in a way that's quite shocking like not because um, in less because because you don't see women doing that very often no, either no you don't see anyone, <laughs> you don't see doing, anyone that. doing it I mean I like with some of my gay friends sometimes they're they're more uh, uh, physical in that respect and and more friendly. Although some are, uh, like some aren't. Some, yeah, it's one of my my gay friends. I always think like he's very very much a shaking hands kind of guy. Yeah. I think this, yeah, it's like that's the thing by bucking the kind of stereotypes. It kind of it, it, that's the thing. They are all stereotypes, aren't they? So yeah. like, gay gay people aren't as a whole like more physically demonstrative. But at the same time, because they've already broken one taboo, I think they get. They, if if you break one taboo and that's you're okay okay with mm. that, you might as well you know, you can break any taboos and be a little bit like, or not yeah, any taboo, but but, <laughs> but yeah, you can't just like move on to like your relationship to taboos is yeah. different. Yeah. yeah, 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 sure. I think well, it's weird because I think there's only really two of my gay friends who who would I would regularly kiss on the mouth as a sort of hello goodbye kind of thing, and one of them does it. I don't know if he does it um, in a sexual way, but he has previously said that he. He has is attracted to straight men, or has been attracted to straight men, and myself. And I think the other one does it in a sort of challenging way, as in like to be like it's aggressive, but in a sort of friendly way. <laughs> it's friendlily aggressive. Yeah, well, that's the thing about physical interaction is there is always this kind of it's close and it's nice and it's 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 comforting but there's always also this kind of threat as well it's mm. like this kind of dual thing about it and that's why i've got a funny relationship i think to physical contact generally just because growing up there wasn't very much hugging from my mum but there was quite a lot of hugging from my dad so i kind of like really like that mm. hugging thing yeah. but i'm also really kind of nervous about it cuz when my mum hugs me it's like Awkward. Do you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. she's not comfortable, and so she's just doing it to 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 go through some kind of process of it's what you do. Yeah. So it feels a bit weird. Okay. Yeah. No. I, like what you were saying about me being an open and, and sort of outwardly happy person. That is tr- uh, to a certain extent true. Quite quite a lot. And I think I'm just I'm just been a very lucky person, and I haven't had any trauma of any major description. I'm just, and both my parents are very. Uh, they're they're very um, openly loving and do a lot of physical physical you know hugging and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I guess that's that's probably just filtered through just it's in terms of just being lucky. Uh, newsflash: functional families produce children comfortable <laughs> with yeah. uh, being humans. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if my brother is as much of a hugger okay. uh, as I am, but he's a very physical man. Uh, he does a lot of yoga and jujitsu. 
but I don't I don't think he's as, he's not as much of a hugger. Although I, we have we have fallen into a pattern of always hugging. Yeah, when we see each other. You're the younger child, yeah. I am, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I'm not the middle child, so it's kind of weird for me. I've been been a bit of the older child, and I've been a bit of the younger child, and you know now I'm in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to relocate if they're setting up the bar? Yeah, we could do. Where, where's good to go? We could go to the office, but it might not be that warm. Yeah, should we just pop into the office? Yeah, let's do that. If you enjoy listening to Getting Better Acquainted, that's great. I'm really grateful to you for joining me on this journey through conversation. I make this show for free, and that's how I want this show to be, a free show. But I do want more people to hear the conversation. So if you could share this with people that you know, that would be great. And also, if you could leave some iTunes feedback on iTunes, telling people that you like the show and telling them what it is and what it's about, that would also be really great because that helps to push me up the iTunes charts and all that sort of thing. It increases the amount of people who might hear it. Also... I've got the 100th episode of Getting Better Acquainted coming up next year, which is really exciting. In fact, I think we've probably had more than 100 episodes already because some of the episodes I don't number. They might have been two-parters. They might have been Getting Better Acquainted extras. I wanted to do something to mark the occasion of it being the 100th episode, and I finally come up with a plan. So... First of all, after episode 99, there'll be a week of Getting Better Acquainted episodes going from Monday to Friday, and they're going to be five live conversations I recorded at the Invisible Picture Palace, which is a glass house in Wapping run by In The Dark Radio. I did five really great conversations there in November in front of a live audience. So I'm going to put them in the run-up to the 100th episode. They won't be counted as numbers, though, because that's getting better acquainted live in New Strand. So what will the 100th episode be? Well, for the 100th episode, I'm going to throw a party inviting a lot of people who've been on Getting Better Acquainted. And I'm going to play them some clips and we're going to talk about the show. I'm also going to try and get people who've been on who can't make it to send in some sound clips and I'm going to read out the email correspondence which people have sent in to me and there have been a few and I'm really pleased that people are reaching out to me in this way and this is going to be my chance to reach back and to acknowledge that communication. So if you have something you'd like to say about getting better acquainted that you'd like to tell me please send me an email and I'll read it out as part of the 100th episode. But also, I'd really like to hear from listeners about what your favourite episodes are or any moments, specific moments, would be even better of episodes that you've really enjoyed because that will help me wade through 100 episodes of Getting Better Acquainted. That's the plan. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of the show. I've never been to the office. It's quite exciting. It's a real mess, I'm sorry. That's alright, so this is where you are when I'm doing my shows. Um, use the little remote? Do you know the remote? No. Oh. It's not on. That's too noisy. No, it's fine. Well, it, there, was a, there was a background hum in the, other, okay. in the other place anyway. So they just got a different variety, so yeah. they can get annoyed by a different thing. <laughs> that's, that's my desk. Oh, wow, okay. I'm a very messy person. No, it's good though, because you've got like a comfy chair as well. Would you like to sit on the comfy chair? No, no, no. I'm, Shall I'm I recline on it? Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm
No, that's cool. I'm uh, I'm quite a messy person myself. If you saw my office, it looks very similar to this. <laughs> yeah. So film is like is that your what would you say is your biggest passion as an artistic person? There isn't one specific thing. Film is just good because it it has that inherently you have to have a team to put it together. Right. You can't. You can self shoot and do do things on your own, but inherently it's about collaboration and about various different elements, so the sound and and the image, okay, like, and also also narrative and story and things like that. Uh, you know, things that can sort of create emotions or you know spark thoughts. Do you like write or make music and stuff around that as well? I don't do as much of that as I like. No, I mostly direct or I can point a camera, just not very well, uh, or act. Right, that's right. You're acting as well. That's right. Directing and acting is what what you kind of go go by, is yeah. Essentially, because well, with acting, you kind of can just jump into something and and do a performance, which I like I like to do. And with directing, you've kind of got to have an overview. It's like it's, it's playful. It's, it's about a bit of playing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where the play in play comes from. Exactly. I like that. I like playing. I'm quite childish. Yeah. I mean, but not in a. I mean, I wouldn't say you're a, you you know you don't come across as a childish person as such, but you do seem to enjoy being childlike, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if childish is exactly right because I I reckon I reckon when the chips are down, you can you can be responsible. I can is... be responsible, I think, and mature generally. Yeah. And I think I'm quite emotionally mature in that things don't make me peek and trough too much. That's handy. Yes, yeah. I, generally, I'm I sort of I'm quite on the level. Like, if something's going bad, I don't sort of panic too much. I just sort of accept it and try and be a bit zen about stuff. Um, and I think I'm quite good in terms of like mediating or, or empathising. I sort of spent a lot of time just trying to trying to understand how to be empathetic with people. And I was thinking, if I was a superhero, that would be my superpower: is the power of empathy. Super empathy. <laughs> But I do like childish things. Like I'm a massive Doctor Who fan, and That's right, I like yeah, things yeah. that are colourful, and I like like things that are kind of happy. And and I mean, I like I like a lot of horror movies and dark things as well. But I like things that are sort of, in a way, sort of psychedelic. And like, there's so much stuff going on. I like things to be over. I like everything to be happening at once. Okay. But not in an overwhelming way. Like I like you know I like to have lots you know video games. There's like lots of stuff happening. Or if I'm making a film, I like to throw every every sort of element at it I'm not a minimalist as you can tell by the mess on my desk <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean that's, it's an interesting oh god I can't remember what I was going to say I was going to ask you something based on what you were saying there. it wasn't about Doctor Who was it yes <laughs> okay there you go good, good, work, good work I saw your eyes light up a little bit when I said Doctor well, Who no I, I'm not I'm not a mad I'm not a mad I don't well I I, I, I'll, lay, I'll, lay it, I'll lay it out for you I don't like the new Doctor Who and I'm oh, not right. mad keen on the old Doctor Who but, but I, I, there are things I like about Doctor Who like it's in my ballpark it's science fiction it's fantasy mm-hmm. it's basically what I like yeah. I get annoyed with Doctor Who because it, it, co- it calls stuff science which is basically magic and if it's going to be magic it should just be magic but anyway uh, like the sonic screwdriver and the TARDIS and stuff like that they're not really science, so you just make them magic. Anyway, they're not. They're not earth science. They're Gallifrey science. Okay, yeah, I, I knew that. This is <laughs> I mean, like, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've done arguments about Doctor Who. They've before created a sonic screwdriver, <laughs> right? In real life, so it's it like, just does anything. You basically no, anything no, 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 it just coincidentally does <laughs> that, that Doctor Who wants I think it's, to happen. I think it's like an ultrasound with a magnet involved. 
so you can so you can ultrasound the, the the screw to wobble essentially, and then the magnet draws it up or something like that. Right, but that's like an actual screwdriver, yeah. Yeah. So, but what the sonic screwdriver is is it's basically magic. Like if it was like if it was a magician going around with a magic wand, tri- I'd have no problem with the logic of that. But because it's supposed to be science, but it can do anything that he wants it to do when it's yeah it's useful a, to the plot. Yeah, obviously it's Deus Ex Machina, and you know, but it's like a tricorder in Star Trek or something. Sure. It's, it's just a handy there are little st- shorthand. And 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 you're right, and I'm I'm happy to suspend my disbelief for that, but it's I just. It when it's just really used hits you doors. in the face with like they, they do like, they do sort of overuse it to get around things. I agree, but if it, if they're just using it to open doors, I mean a door shouldn't slow down the plot. The plot should be pushed by the people in the story that it is, rather than oh I'm locked in a door and locked in a room. You know. No, I mean I, I agree with you, and that's a really uh, <coughs> that's a really good thing to yeah that's a really good principle to live your your life by. As a <laughs> narrative maker, a door shouldn't slow down the plot is a good one. I mean, unless it's, unless it's a very important door. But it looks to me, anyway, because I, cause I, I mean, I'm, I'm accepting of other people's religions, so I must also be accepting of their tastes in, in art as well. Yeah. But it seems to me that you were into Doctor Who before Doctor Who was cool. Yeah. Because your quote on your Facebook is from the era of Doctor Who that I most relate to, of, uh, of Sylvester McCoy with Ace, and I... You know, Ace was a very attractive woman, and I was of a certain age, <laughs> so I remember that with fondness. I, I don't remember it actually being on TV. I only saw it afterwards. Yeah, because I'm a few years older than you, I think. Yeah, I first saw it when they were doing repeats of each Doctor, one one story from each Doctor. And the first one I saw was from the second Doctor, Patrick Troughton, who is my favourite and is obviously the best. Um, <laughs> and it was called The Mind Robber, and they were in a land of literature. And essentially, he was he was battling against this guy called the Master, but it wasn't the Master that has subsequently become the master who could essentially think of anything and was drawing a lot from earth literature but also from other literatures uh, fictional literatures and Greek literature and all kinds of things and, uh, and, and it was just coming to life and, and they were sort of having to battle it and it was all about knowing what's, what's real and what's not real in, in fiction and also uh, sort of using that and playing with that, those ideas so I, I loved that but yeah I, I was into it before it came back and before you know in that time when no one was really watching it but I think that the reason that I like it and the reason that I can forgive it a lot of its sins is because what it mainly does is it's quite it's quite a liberal vision of, of a hero to have and he can sometimes be an anti-hero as a character but it's more about the the space which you watch it in it's a family show meaning anyone can essentially watch it you, you're not going to alienate anyone too much unless they're really into science <laughs> unless they unless they love their science so well, much they can't look past they can't give it a little bit of, of poetic license see no that's see now now <laughs> so now, i'm having a go well, yeah, now you, you you you're causing me to have to respond slightly to that because I, I mean i'm not so much it's not so much that i'm into science i'm into stories but i'm okay. i'm into stories having internal logic internal logic yeah. and not not taking me out of the story so yeah. i mean i i love science fiction i love fa- fantasy i mean I'm a massive fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I like stuff that isn't real. The reason that Doctor Who annoys me so much is because I really like, say, 70% of the ideas in it. And then the 30% that I don't like just drives me crazy. So I spend all my time... I I watch quite a lot of the new series of Doctor Who because Uh I watch it and then I'm like... 
that bit's wrong and that that bit's wrong and like I mean I I mean I basically want to write a, I mean I'm, I've got an idea for a, a thing that will fix all the problems with Doctor Who but anyway <laughs> okay uh, that'll happen eventually maybe maybe it won't but I mean I've I've got a, an idea for a time travel Doctor Who ish type trilogy of children's teenage books so uh, cool. I'm not gonna not gonna Don't give everyone a head start on me there yeah but uh, but but Doctor Who does obsess me because it's the ideas are so good they are so like they are I mean and it does appeal to children in a mm. way that like I, I like that it appeals to children but it does frustrate me that children will 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 take Doctor Who but they would also be able to take something that was internally logical mm-hmm. and then adults kind of forgive Doctor Who because it's for children and mm. I kind of think like stuff for children should be as good as stuff for yeah. adults and I think I think when when it came back and I, th- I still think in the terms of the, the TV world it is of a higher calibre than a lot of stuff that is for that kind of audience and also it yeah, it, it does it does also reach to a wider audience so that it can have that kind of budget and, and uh, ambition because you need to have a, a larger audience to, to be able to sort of fund that so the 30% that you, you can't that you don't like yeah. to me that's just that's within the margins of escapism and then the rest is kind of the bits that you do like the good ideas the bits it's that like are popularising sort of are popularising things that are other less ideas. mainstream ideas yeah essentially yeah. yeah and also things that I just think are good you know in terms of about not prejudging the other and um, and uh, um, you know fighting for good but also you know having cool monsters and all that kind of stuff there is one episode of Doctor Who that I think is pretty flawless the, the most recent series is and that's Blink but that yeah, but that, everyone but then, Blink. yeah everyone does but then Doctor Who's hardly in it and that's kind of that's kind of works for me. Although I do like Matt Smith, I do like a lot of the people, and I like I like I think there's really charismatic actors in mm. Doctor Who. I just I mean, it's, got, it's just the curse of when you make stuff yeah. that you, sometimes you just sit there going, I I would do that differently, I would yeah. do that differently, and you can't just allow yourself to just be taken over by it. I guess that's my. my I problem. think I think part of it also is that it's been running for fifty years, and it's so many different things. Yeah, and it's not just you know the TV show. There's obviously the things around it and. Uh, you know, comics and 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 the history that it draws on and references and stuff, um, which is you know so, some of it you would just say oh that's just fan you know people just for the like the hardcore fans or whatever, but to 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 have gone for fifty years and to be able to do all of those different things, I can sort of forgive some lapses in in not only in science but in quality because there are some which aren't great see this is I mean and and this is a fair argument it's something I should consider because I will do that for say Marvel superhero comics yeah and I will do that for DC superhero comics I'll be like well it's such a big thing that it can't always be good and Mm -hmm. you know there's going to be bad qualities and sometimes things will be annoying but the essential concepts of it Mm. uh, and I guess probably I mean Doctor Who is a superhero you know, so I mean, I guess it's a similar thing. And there's, I think, also the bits that are bad that you think oh, I would do this differently. That's it's good if if you and if kids are thinking I would do this differently because then kids will be like, oh, I'll write my own Doctor Who story, sure, or I'll write my own stories that are, you know are completely different. And I think it does. I mean, it inspired me quite a lot. I think to go into to look at to move on to films and things of that sort of bigger scale because I thought, wow, this world of imagination, you can actually make something that you can share and, and that, that can, you know, excite and, and do all those things. And I think a lot of people have, have found that through through Doctor Who because it is 
for for the audience it's pitched at quite ambitious yeah no sure and, and I, I definitely like that about it I mean I don't want to put you on trial for Doctor Who and also I, don't, I want to make sure like try and get a few things in because this is a normally I'm quite happy to go on over the hour but I uh, I'm, on your research I think about doing the research I found that when I was at uni you do the research and then you've got no time to, to put get it, it all in yeah to get it all in and well, well that's true although I do normally do a bit of research no the problem like for me in this conversation is just that I can't really go over the hour because I want to get my head together before oh, yeah. the next <laughs> thing the, the show are you in Greenpeace you've worked with Greenpeace I am a supporter of Greenpeace right so I give them some money every year okay and I'm friends with a guy who runs the events because he's a next door neighbour right and I've helped out on some events and I, you know, will sign any petition and, and promote things and, as much as I can because I think they do a lot of a lot of great campaigns. Sure, I mean, and really important stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're, we're so behind in terms of what we need to do to save the planet that it's you know, like people despair, and I, in a way, I think, well, there's no point despairing. You might as well just live your life really fully, but be aware of what the world is you're creating and and what the implications are of that. I mean, okay. like, there are certain things you can do to change your own personal impact. But the good thing about Greenpeace is it's, it, it recognises that, but it also goes beyond that and says we need to look at the big problems. And the big problems are people not doing the right kind of things in politics and in corporations and that kind of stuff. And they take, you know, direct action to, to, to highlight that and to put pressure on people to, do, to, to take action. Sure. I mean, personally, I, um, I'm trying to... You know, eat as little meat as possible because I can know I can see the environmental impact of that. But I, that's really difficult because the society doesn't properly cater for it as much as as you'd like. I mean, there are you know, there's always a vegetarian option and thing. But my main thing is trying not to buy meat. If I don't buy meat, then I feel like it's all right to eat meat. Like either if someone's bought some for me, or if I go to a party or something and someone's put some meat out, then that's okay. Yeah, because it's not because of uh, it's not because of the taste you don't you know eating meat. It's because of the uh the carbon footprint carbon and all footprint. of those things yeah that I mean there's also an ethical issue about the way that animals are treated and stuff but yep. I'm, I mean I would happily go out and kill uh, something to eat it and then um, roast over a fire yeah exactly yeah. that'd be delicious you know yeah, it tastes better if you could yeah. kill it yourself yeah, it's making me hungry just thinking yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah it's the it's the carbon footprint is the is the main thing I mean I cycle everywhere I try my best <laughs> but the, part of me is my impact isn't going to doom the world. We've already done, as a as a society, so much to doom it. And there's no. The problem is there's no leadership saying worldwide, or even you know on a country by country basis, proper leadership to say these are the things we should be aiming for and aspiring to, rather than just saying we need to make sure we can secure energy for the future and all this kind of thing. We do need to secure energy for the future, but we don't need to go to war and 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 play the political game of this country's going to depose their dictator who we used to support and all this kind of stuff. We need to do consumption reduction and, and those important things. But no one's no one's saying it. No one's taking a lead on it, which is really depressing. It makes me think, well, I'm definitely never going to have children because I'll just, yeah, I just I won't be able to look them in the eyes. I'm not having kids for a big reason of not having kids. There's a lot of reasons I'm not having kids, but one of the big reasons is, is that, yeah, I don't want to look them in the eye and... Uh, and, and, and know what, what world they're going to... I mean, it's hard enough having nieces and nephews and just mm. knowing that they're going to have to live in this world. Yeah. Uh, that we... Well, not even we, because it's like it happened so much earlier than we were even alive. Mm. 
it all started to happen and then the, and when it started to happen you can't even necessarily blame the people then because they didn't know mm. the consequences yeah they didn't know what the results of their of their actions would be yeah. but, but we're in a weird position now like environmentally yeah and they I, get, I guess part of that is thinking every person who is born is another massive carbon footprint and a lot of people would like that's a silly decision to make. You can't say that that's that's how you how you want to live your life, but you can see why they think it's a bad idea to rule out having children because in this society, or at least we're privileged enough, and you know, in the in the middle class world, yeah. to be able to not feel the worst impacts of where of of the bad decisions that have been made in the past, like. The fact that we still, you know, are claiming African debt or something is just madness to me because we're putting another climate debt on them where they'll be getting the, the worst impacts of it, um, and that's just it. Just it's just crazy that people aren't up in arms about it. Yeah, I mean, you have you been on? Have you done actions then? Have, have you done? I've done some demos and things, but not really. I haven't done any sort of. I haven't done much that would get me arrested. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't I would, it? I would quite happily do something to get me arrested. I don't. I don't really mind. I w- down the line, I wouldn't mind being a teacher or uh, something like that. I don't know if that has an impact. I definitely don't want to be a lawyer, so that wouldn't be a problem. But, um, yeah, I, d- I don't think I'd have any problem with doing something. That I mean, it's funny, though. I mean, like, I, I, I'm not a very active activist, let's say. <laughs> I, I always want to... Like, I, I didn't go on a UK Uncut demo just the other day, which mm. I wanted to go on, but yeah, I didn't go me on. Yeah, too. I mean, it's... it's, it's well, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like, it's... I don't, I don't know. I... Uh, I I met up with some people who I went to uni with who are quite they're quite um, on that sort of scene of activists um, and I've done you know I went to the first day of the Occupy thing in St Paul's and caught hypothermia sleeping on the ground there it was terrible um, <laughs> but when I, I met up with these people and they and they were doing an action on um, uh, around the arms fair that they have over at um, um, at the Excel Center, right? Yeah, yeah. And they got they got some information about. They, so first thing we did was they made a, a massive banner saying "Destroy Dicey," which is what it's called. And um, so I got involved in being their getaway driver. So I drove them down and I went and hired a, a ladder and drove them to the to the sort of across the way, across the way from the Excel Center. There's those big sort of cranes. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? The big black sort of cranes yeah. that they used for. Yeah, I, know. I don't know what they used them for like cargo stuff anyway so we got the ladder we put it up there and and when we got there I thought I'll just be the getaway driver help them with the ladder yada yada none of them were really that happy climbing up this massive ladder and hanging hanging this sign up so I was like okay well I'll climb up and do that I don't I don't mind that's fine do that so I went up and climbed and we, we got it up and we got the some photos of it and went away you know that doesn't make a massive impact we could have probably got you know arrested for you know I don't think it was trespass public place but littering I don't know there was a very big sign on the wrong day you're going to get arrested whatever you're doing yeah exactly if, if, if they're looking to make arrests yeah uh, then arrests will happen yeah so I was I was, I was a bit worried because I, I imagined that they would be looking to make arrests yeah. well, we went early in the morning so there was no one around it was fine um, but then later on that day they were doing uh, an action by the National Gallery because they've got some sponsorship from some arms traders and they were having a arms trade sort of networking event thing. And so we went in and we'd made some arm locks so that we could 
find where they were doing it and then sit down and then be not you know not be moved that easily by holding arms and you know they have to carry two people out or whatever um, but they were really disorganized in terms of finding where it was and then deciding what to do and they all seemed really panicked and scared I mean I guess it's you know it's trial and error and you're trying to do something and it is a little bit dangerous or a little bit controversial so that's fair enough but then we were outside afterwards having failed to find the place um, and the arms trade people were coming in through the front door it was crazy and everyone was just sort of shouting at them and, and, and having a go and you know fair enough uh, and the police came and were trying to sort of they sort of made a little corridor or whatever so I just sort of suggested let's all just sit down or lie down in front of the door so they have to step over us to go in because that, that is worse than just being shouted at. If I'm shouting at someone, I feel like I'm the one being the dickhead. Yeah, that's how I feel a little bit in terms of... That's the, that is one of my real problems with the idea of activism. I really... I, I, I mean, first of all, the, the problem is that there, there are very few groups that I can definitely put my name down mm. to agreeing with. Mm. But then the second thing is... I want to find a way of communicating with everybody. Mm. I want to talk to the people who read the Daily Mail. Yeah. I want to talk to these people and get them to to, to have a dialogue. And, yeah. and and I don't think that there's a lot shouting of space at them yeah, no. does that. No. Okay. So I thought you know at least at least if we're not going to be able to engage with these people because they weren't having any of it, sure. and it's not the space to in Trafalgar Square to, to to deal with it necessarily. I thought we just sit down they'll be the dickheads but for walking over us like they walk over the people who they ignore you know human rights issues and all this kind of stuff and so I suggested this and then they're like well we'll have a we'll have a meeting about it and I'm like what this is happening right now <laughs> let's just let's just do this thing why not so we as a group went and sat down and we're having a discussion you know that kind of hands jazz hands thing do you know this jazz hands thing yes I've come like, across it it's like the consensual yeah. meeting thing and I'm not a fan I'm really not a fan because <laughs> I was thinking well this is getting us nowhere and it wasn't actually there was one person who was essentially being a chairperson for it and it, we just spent like 20 minutes while you know arms traders were walking by like I would have rather have been shouting at them than sitting on the floor chatting about what to do next you know and it didn't really it didn't get anywhere and I was just like if you guys aren't going to do it then I'm just going to do it by myself and you know that's fine if anyone wants to join me you're more than welcome and then just as we were getting up the police spotted the guy who was sort of chairing this little meeting and obviously thought that we were planning to do something I guess because it looked like we were planning to do something yeah. we weren't <laughs> we didn't get it together and then they pulled him aside and they started searching him and stuff and he was I think he was the only person who wasn't white and so we were, right. it was like doubly like what the hell's going on and you know searching him for no reason everyone was sort of shouting at the police which is not in a way not fair because you know they're doing their job and if he, we were planning something I guess but I know it's no it's intrusive and rude to just search for someone for no good reason but to, you know it was obviously they sang them out because he'd sat down and was sort of chairing this little meeting thing so it kind of I was just like this is this is so not the way to go about doing an action so I've so I've not done anything with them again I think they're this sort of Anarchistic. No one wants to have a, a responsibility, or no one wants to yeah. take the lead on things. And you can understand it because it's a funny thing, though. I mean, I'm an anarchist, like probably. If I have to describe <laughs> myself as something, that's probably why I have to describe myself as. But the, it doesn't have to be necessarily about. It's about having no hierarchies. It doesn't mean that you can't be people and engage, mm. like in a spontaneous action. Yeah, like that is not the same as you know having to sit around and have committee that's just bureaucracy that yeah. is like literally the problem with society <laughs> yeah. and you're like putting it into your you know i you know it's a it's a 
there aren't answers, no. uh, and that's the problem, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like bureaucracy with bureaucracy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, with your permission, I think a good way of getting a little bit of extra of you in the show, and also kind of giving people an idea of what what's going to happen tonight after this conversation is, if if you give me permission, can I use your story that you told at the first spark? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that'll happen now. I haven't really figured out where this story's going, so please bear with me. All these other stories have really good endings, and this is going to peter out. I was at a school, it was a drama school, but it closed down because it was a bit dodgy. And, um, and so they, they, kicked, they, they kicked everyone out, and we were like, oh, what are we going to do? So I was like, I'll, I'll go to my brother's school. My brother went to a, a nice private... Oh, I'm getting a little, a little bit of feedback. Uh, a, nice, a nice private school over in, um, over in the city uh, called City of London School. And um, he was very good and very clever. Um, and so they thought, oh, his brother might be good and clever. And they tested me and they said, no, he's not good and clever. Um, so they got me a maths tutor who taught me about the, the concept of infinity and very little else. Um, and I still don't understand it. Uh, um, but on the first day, I went into the school and uh, I sat down in the, in, the, in the form room and he brought me in and he said, he, said, sort, of, he sort of held me by the shoulders. Me and my brother, don't, we don't really get on. We, we used to fight quite a lot. So I thought this was... It was, it, was, it, was, it was friendly, but it was still quite stern. Um, and he brought me in, and he, and he looked over the class, and he sort of paused for a minute, and the teacher hadn't come in yet, and everyone was sitting down. Um, it wasn't their first day. They'd all sort of met because the school had closed, so everyone was sort of, they knew each other, and I was there like this. Um, and I was smaller than him then. Now I'm bigger. Now, I, then I was smaller. And, <laughs> and, he was, and he was holding me like this, and he said, all right, if any of you mess with my brother fucking destroy you I don't think he said fucking but he might have done uh, I can't remember it that clearly it was it was I was I was scared and everyone else was scared and then I sat down and no, and no one's talked to me for a long time and uh, and I sort of begrudged him this because it was it was doing something nice in a way and he was trying to be protective and brotherly but he did it in a really a really weird way and he had he had quite a reputation in the school I think he he used to pick, he, he sort of randomly would walk down a corridor and just like smack someone, you know, that's kind of the kind of thing he would do and he had a reputation for it. Um, and, you know, any opportunity at sports days, he would, he would do some, some, some bad rugby tackling of, of small children. Um, and that, that kind of went on year on year on year and, and, and it made it a little bit difficult to, to make friends, but I didn't get picked on, which was nice, which was very nice. Um, and then uh, that, that kind of vibe of being looked after and watched over carried on until we were in sixth form and he was in the year above me so we were both in the same sixth form for those two years and then that kind of dissipated completely and I was like free I was free of this overbearing kind of uh you know sort of menace I wasn't associated with it because they were we were all in the same year and he couldn't really pick on anyone in my year and kind of even now and I started to make some friends which was good I didn't I ended ended up school knowing about a third of the people in my year uh, I'm gonna blame my brother for that um but uh, one of my friends uh now we were also sharing now we were sharing like pool tables and stuff and he was like the king of the pool table and no one could get on when he wanted to play all this kind of thing um and uh and we were sharing a, a drinks vending machine and a toaster and he was the toast monitor monitor and he would like he would be like you know, he's the, the toast dictator. You know, I've, got, I've got the toast tokens, be, you know, be nice. So he sort, of, he sort of still had this vibe going on, but I wasn't so much affected by it. Um, but we had a, a vending machine. This is the important bit, the vending machine. Um, it was a Coke Pepsi dispenser. Um, and I used to drink a lot of the Pepsi, Pepsi Max. 
Um, I used to drink a lot of Coke. Well, there was a Christian society, which I went to one time. I'm not a Christian, but I went to it because they give out like free pizza and free drink. Um, <laughs> and one time they had, um, they had all the different Pepsis and Cokes laid out, so Pepsi, but with the labels taken off. And so they, they let you taste all of them. Uh, Pepsi Max, Diet Coke, Pe uh, Coke. It was before Coke Zero. Um, and they said... And they said, you can't see which one it is, so you have to guess. And they're like, guess, guess, guess. And they're like, yeah, it's difficult telling which one's the right one. It's a bit like knowing which is the right God to follow. And I was like, that, that doesn't follow. That doesn't make any sense. And I got them all right. So you just got to do your research is what they, what they taught me. You got to do your research in Buddhism. Turns out Buddhism. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, it's a lot of effort, though. Don't bother. Um, and so the vending machine was like a sort of, you know, it was, it was right outside the door of the sixth form and it was kind of a focal point. And one time, uh, my brother, like, there was the whole thing of trying to get your hand up. He was like, no, what you need to do is get the vending machine and push it up against the wall and let it fall. And he kept keep, keep doing that because he was quite big at that point. I was bigger, but he was meaner uh, and stronger. And so he'd do that. And he did that about five or six times. Or I think he was doing it for about a week. And then, he, and then one day... It went boom, and there was like loads and loads of coats coming out, and he was just piling them into his bag like this. And um, yeah, and he was—he was supposed to be in a position of authority. I don't know because you know who's in with the, the head of the year or something. Anyway, but he put them all away, and they were like, "Who did this?" Yada yada yada. No one, no one uh, owned up, and no one would dare say anything, obviously, because he was a little bit of a tough, tough, tough guy. Um, but I knew where his locker was. And my friend, who was quite a little guy, who had been picked on him before, when, you know, in the, in the years previous, had, uh, had gone into the art room and found a crowbar. So we went up to, the, <laughs> up to his locker and, batank, opened it out. And we're like, hey, it's like, a, it's like a Aladdin's cave of, of Pepsi and Coke. And so <laughs> we, we put them all away and sort of closed it a little bit. Couldn't really close it properly and then walked off. And uh, we had those for, uh, for a good few weeks. And that was great. And... He, oh, oh, it's like I'm on a submarine, um, and, and he, uh, he, didn't, he didn't say to anyone, you know, I've been broken into because he didn't want to lose any face. But literally last year, I was on a family holiday, and I told him, and he, he, you could see the rage. <laughs> but is he, now he's a grown-up, so he's not allowed to. So that was good. And that was, that, that's the end of that story. Thank you. The last thing I asked people to do. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed that story. story. I think it was a really good story. I, yeah, it's a story that I sort of it makes me chuckle thinking about it. So that's happened in the kind of way that I haven't managed to, to get in this conversation. <laughs> we got sidetracked about Doctor Who. But the last thing I asked people is, do you have anything that you'd like to plug? I've plugged most of it already. <laughs> Essentially, it's, I work here at the Hackney Attic in the, above the Hackney Picture House. It's a lovely place. And we've got lots of different things going on. Yep, cool um, place. Good nights. Uh, good nights, especially <laughs> especially Spark London and the upcoming stand-up tragedy. Yep, I don't know when this will go out. This might go. Yeah, maybe I'll put that out just. Maybe I'll put it out just before that. We'll see. Excellent. And then Autumn Shift. You can check that out on Twitter, Facebook. We've got our website, autumnshift.co.uk. Get involved if you've got anything creative or you want to get involved creatively. That'd be great. We do festivals and stuff. Tea Fuel, great art coming out of them. I think if there's anything else. Oh, the, the retro video games night, Once Upon a Console, I hope one, which is here at the Hanyatic, but we might do it other places. I think you get a sword if you win. 
Yeah. Sword. For the Once Upon a Console, you get a sword pendant with a with a games controller as part of it. Sometimes it glows in the dark. It's, yeah. it's good fun. The, the sword is a, a thing that my I guess my ten year old self would have hungered for in a way. <laughs> I sort of see pictures of it. And I'm like, oh. I love making it out of Fimo. It's great. Um, I, I get a lot of crafting. This is something we haven't touched on, but I do enjoy a good bit of crafting. Ah. Paper crafting, FIMO crafting, FIMO crafting, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah I used it's to do a bit of FIMO. 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 Yeah, FIFO, <laughs> FUMMO. And as it's ten past seven now, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to round it up. So the last thing I ask people to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, audience. Thanks for listening. Bye. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at UBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook, it's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website, www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app, you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the app store there are lots of ways to get better acquainted 